Darkness has descended upon the city, and the creatures of the night have begun to stir. This is the time when the veil between the realms of the living and the dead is the thinnest, and all that is is not what it appears to be. Like a lone sentinel, one candle flickers in the night, revealing all that lurks in the darkness. This is Ghost Chronicles, Book of Shadows. Welcome to the Night Meeting. Uh, good evening, everyone, and welcome to Ghost Chronicles Book of Shadows. I love that opening, by the way. And I only use it when I have very special, special co-hosts. And I have a very special co-host tonight. She is my favorite West Coast witch, the star of Stirring the Cauldron. She is Mala Brooks. Yeah, and I even have an R in my name, too. Sorry. Hello, Ron. Excuse me? Just nothing, nothing. Yeah, carry on. No, I mean, if you were talking Spanish, mala means bad in Spanish. I know, dear. I know. So that was on purpose. Okay. And as far as being your favorite West Coast witch, I will ask you again, how many others do you know? I'm not saying. There we go. I rest my case. I don't want to hurt anybody else's feelings. That's oh, pip, pip, pip. Okay. So, anyways, I love that opening. I, I really I do. do. It's, it's really – I don't know if we heard it from the beginning, but uh, I hope so. If not, maybe they can edit it on there. But it is uh, – it's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And the other – you know the other one? I've been playing that same opening for uh, – God, let's see. Oh, I can't even remember. It's like – is it 20 years? Oh, no, not that <laughs> A lot. Let's put it that way. A long time. Mm-hmm. So. So, anyways, in fact, the, the closing of the show, which is kind of interesting, that the show always closes with the uh, heartbeats going out, and then the uh, Scottish prayer from goalies, from goalies, ghosties, and things that go bump in the night. Yep, I love that one. The guy that recorded that is actually dead now, so that's kind of interesting. <laughs> so, that has this, a little life to the thing, doesn't it? Or death. Or death. Yeah. <laughs> Does that make it an EVP? Uh, no. It makes it an encore showing or something, an encore recording. Uh, okay, if you say so. So anyways, we have a really cool guy on tonight. Uh, you sent me a link, and I posted it up on my website, and it's, and it's intriguing, really. So do you want to uh, introduce him for us? Yeah, I can do that. Um, he's one of my best friends. and um, I thought I was. I said one of them. You are too, Ron. Well, how many? But- friends you have a couple and 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 most of them pronounce their r's um but ooh yeah but anyway scott is the owner of dearly departed tours in hollywood he's also the owner of found a death find a death.com found a death yeah talk about being in the right tense um you see him all over the place you've seen him on cnn you've seen him with anthony bourdain on on the layover you've seen him on E all the time. I mean, Scott is someone that is totally out there, 
And the best thing about him is that, I like saying this, he, he knows where all the bodies are buried. Uh-huh. And what's more importantly, he knows how they got there. So um, I, I came un, un, alone. I, I came chaperoned today with Scott Michaels. Hello. What a great <laughs> intro. Thank you for that. All kinds yeah. of great intros all around. Talk about butt kissing. My God. I, I would never introduce any guests that highly. But yeah, you that, would. That's yeah, Mala. you would. That's, that's Mala. Mala. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, Mala will do it. Yeah, she's afraid of the world. I am? <laughs> okay, let's talk about Yeah, you said this is the Ghost Chronicles Book of Shadow. Well, remember, the wand is never far from my hand. Just letting you know. Which jar is buried in the backyard. Uh-huh, yeah, the witch bottle. Yes. There you go. Carry on. I'm not hearing. I mean, you just kind of, did you take the mic away from your mouth or something? No, am I there? You're here, but you are, like, so far away. Scott, can you hear him? No, I, I hardly hear him as well. Yeah, Ron. See, Scott and I are going to have to talk for a minute until you get your voice back. All right, I'll switch uh, to... Uh, That's, be- That's better so far. Yeah, well, whatever. It's going uh-huh. to be a, 10 minutes of the show of just chit-chat, and we haven't even talked to Scott yet. We're going to. So okay. you, I'll, I'll be quiet for a minute. You you lead on. No, you just go. I mean, he's you know him more than I do. I, I mean, I saw that um, awesome little piece of video. Uh, let me see if this works. Woo! Oh, that didn't work. <laughs> oh, you can't hear me now. Well, yeah. I, well I can hear you, but not what you're trying to play. I'm not trying to play anything. Just go on. Ay, okay. This is <laughs> it's going to be one of these days. Right. No, you were talking about you were talking about what I sent you, um, Hollywood Death Trip, which was um, a really really neat show that you can now see on YouTube. But it was on E Channel. Um, what was it, Scott? Halloween last year? Yeah, yeah. They, they created it for Halloween last year. That's right. Mm, and for those who haven't seen it, um, what was it? Very cool. Besides, very cool. Well, I mean, it was a, it was a, I was really proud to be involved with the show. It, it was, uh, it was handled respectfully. We, we've profiled uh, five different celebrities and obviously how they died. They're, they're quite tragic and quite notorious and, uh, and gruesome stories. And uh, we went into depth about them, how these people died. And we interviewed a lot of the people that had something to do with the crimes and, or the people in their lives. And say so it could have gone a very different way, but they, he handled it with kid gloves. Uh, we got the, you know, all of the details out there as, uh, you know, as tastefully as a show called Death Trip could. And, uh, <laughs> and it was accurate, and I was really proud to be involved with it. It was really well done and really creepy, as is most of the stuff that you do, but deliciously creepy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's not, I mean, really People don't understand how much you really do know. I mean, you're, you're truly a Hollywood historian, but it's not the kind of historian that says, well, Hollywood Boulevard began, you know, in 1908, blah, blah, blah. No, this is about the people that live in Hollywood, the famous people, um, how they lived, how, how they died. Hmm? And died, right? 
Yes, yes, exactly. Uh, but Mike's all right now. You can hear me fine. Yes. Yeah. All right. So, Scott, I mean, is death really big in Hollywood? Is that what you're trying to tell us? Well, I mean, everyone dies, so in a sense, yes. And everyone's got a notorious story. I mean, all of our stories, you know, are, are the Dearly Departed Tour is the Tragical History Tour. So, of course, uh, we focus on, uh, you know, where people died. But when you think about, you know, Marilyn Monroe, Humphrey Bogart, Janis Joplin, Battle of the Gosey, uh, these are icons. They all die within five miles of our office or within ten miles of our Whitney Houston, Michael Jackson. So, uh, you know, certainly certainly Hollywood's been very generous to dearly departed tours. And, again, we, you know, we may go for a cheap joke occasionally, but I think we handle things pretty respectfully. And uh, And some of the people who take the tour might not know some of the names of the people that we feature, but because they died so spectacularly, people like, you know, Albert Decker or an actress named Marie Prevost, these are people whose names probably have been mentioned in, in decades. However, uh, because they left this, this, this you know, this planet, uh, you know, so spectacularly, their, their deaths are so interesting that Hopefully, people will be curious enough to rent one of their movies and learn more about their lives. And uh, we've been, we've been uh, fortunate, I think, that we've been spreading the word, and and people are responding well. So, uh, Scott, I mean, do you find or do you think that because it's Hollywood, it's not any different than any other city, but just because of the the people who are dead there. Uh, which are stars, it makes it more interesting, more macabre? Well, I don't think it makes it more macabre, but it's certainly, it, yeah, when you're talking about, uh, you know, the celebrities as opposed to just the regular people, uh, yeah, like every other city, you know, it's it's sort of like when people talk about, uh, oh, it's a bad, I didn't mean to bring it up as a subject, but when people talk about uh, the religion Scientology, you know, all the celebrities involved in Scientology, well, if you look at it, there's not that many in perspective, just like the world's population. So there's a mm-hmm. certain amount of people that are Lutheran, certain amount of people that are Methodist. So it's not an outrageous number. People die all the time. People die in hotels, on street corners, and in houses. It's just that Hollywood has the famous people. So, uh, so it, it makes it, yeah, certainly more interesting. Okay. And I think one of the things that makes it even more interesting than more interesting is that people see celebrities and lots of people kind of think that these people are who they are on the screen. You know, they don't think of them as being normal people with, you know, all the warts that everybody else has. So when they die and some of these warts are exposed, it's even more horrifying to people. Oh, my God, I thought he was such a nice man. Oh, he did that. You know, I mean, it goes into that kind of thing, which I think adds fuel to the fires. Yeah, and we also like to point out the things that uh, we, you know, we kind of sort of root out the fact that uh, we found new things that we didn't know about things we thought we knew everything about. So, uh, you know, the thing, the kick I've been on lately since it's the anniversary of the, uh, the Tate LaBianca murder this week, I, I've been uh, spreading the word that Charles Manson is five foot two. And most people think that Manson's six foot ten because of the, because of the way he's portrayed in the media. Uh, so, you know, these are, these are weird little facts that, that I think, oh, well, it turns, a, turns an eye or raises an eyebrow, rather. Uh, you know, and that's, those are the kind of things that we we feast on really and, and, and like to share with people because it make, you know, they're, they're the answers to a million trivia questions. 
The the interesting thing, people like Charles Manson. Do you? I mean, you talk about their lives. Do you only talk about like the evil part of their lives, or or do you talk about you know some of the normal stuff they did? Uh, well, with, with regards to uh, you know particularly the Manson case, uh, mm-hmm. you know we have a tour that's devoted just to that, uh, just to the uh, to the crimes, or just to the yeah to the crimes, and and also we have a documentary, but it's not solely based on their murders. We we like to. Uh, uh, sort of share with the world where these people lived, where the victims lived, where they worked, where they played, not just where they were murdered. Now, with regards to the Dearly Departed tour, our regular tour, it covers 70 locations in three hours. So we can't delve too much time into uh, into their the aspects of their life. But uh, with regards to, say, Bela Lugosi, you know, we certainly go to the, we do go to the to the cigar store that Bella would walk to every single day of his life, and and uh, you know, we we show the movie theater that that William Frawley, Fred Mertz had, uh, you know, saw a movie shortly before he died. So I'd like to think that we we maybe provide uh, occasionally a little snippet into their lives, not just their death. Yeah, that's what I was try- trying to get at, more or less. Then. And before we get too far, can you give us, uh, if someone's interested in going on some of these tours, how, how can they contact you? Well, it's dearlydepartedtours.com is the, uh, is the number, or is the, uh, the web URL to, to, to visit. And if they were interested in booking a tour with us directly, uh, you would call, uh, well, I could say 323-466-3696. But uh, dearlydepartedtours.com. We're also on Facebook and and all those sorts of things, Twitter, etc. So, Molly, have you ever gone on one of these tours? Uh, not on the most recent one, but yes. And and um, in fact, that's how Scott and I met. Um, Kenny Kingston, who is dearly departed now, just recently um, had me go on a tour with him um, when when Scott was working for Graveline Tours, and that's. That was kind of eye-opening and wonderfully amusing and funny, and um, so I have to thank um, Kenny for that because that's how Scott and I met, and that was like you know a million years ago. In and and we actually met in a hearse because that's where the the tour uh, originated from, and I was in the back seat where you know the bodies were kept. Um, so yeah, I mean, what a great introduction to somebody, right? But yeah, it's fascinating, and 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 there's nothing on the tour that kind of is is not part of the tour. Like um, the one I went on, there was a rest stop, you know, because it's you know a long tour, and so we stopped at this bathroom in Beverly Hills, um, in a park. And Scott, you can explain where we stopped and why. <laughs> Well, the, the, the restroom break on the tour is conveniently the very same place where the singer George Michael was arrested in 1998 for propositioning an undercover police officer. Oh, so you can say even the, even the toilet stop has some sort of history to it. <laughs> yeah, and the neat thing now, and I haven't yet been there, but on the tour, um, like in the Hollywood movie tour, because there are a whole bunch of different tours, um, there is a... a video thing up in the front of the of the tomb buggy and so as people are driving by a location a particular location they can look up there and see what where it was in the movie so i mean they're looking right, up at right, the yeah. it's yeah. it's 
we have a license to show films on our bus, so we, we show them on a big screen, TV, clips from movies. So if you're watching the movie American Horror Story or watching the television program American Horror Story, uh, you'll be watching it directly in front of the house where that very scene was shot. So there's the immediate, uh, the immediate you know, uh, association with it. Oh, that's cool. And we do that. We use that on the Helter Skelter tour as well. That's, and I usually now on my ghosts, my uh, Hollywood ghosts and legends tour as well. There are some uh, some video that I use on the uh, on the tour as well, and the, the the new walking tour down Hollywood Boulevard. Okay, so this is a little different tour. It's one of them is a driving tour, and one and this one is a walking tour. Uh, yeah, I have several it, driving tours, and yeah. uh, and I have one walking tour, the ghosts and legends walking tour. And. Uh, how is the reception to that one, you know, especially with all the paranormal shows that are on TV nowadays? Do you, you, you find that fairly uh, uh, successful? What type of people do you get for, for uh, that type of tour? Well, you know, yeah, they, it, ghost hunting has become quite trendy. And I think it's, you know, maybe, you know, some certain ghost, ghost shows are kind of, you know, fading into the uh, into the afterlife, I guess you could say. But uh, Los Angeles Magazine just uh, released their Best of Los Angeles edition, and our tour is the best in L.A., our ghost tour. So it's been received well, and uh, the people that uh, take the tour are, you know, people generally around 25, 35 years old, maybe, uh, maybe older, and they all have a keen interest in the paranormal. And it's not just devoted to the paranormal, but it's also a bit of Hollywood history, Hollywood ghosts and legends. So we will be talking about how you know Hollywood was a dirt road at one point in time, and the old wooden schoolhouse that that burned down in Hollywood Boulevard in the early 1900s, and and the different various hauntings that occurred around Hollywood. And and, and through the years since I've known Marla, uh, you know we have ourselves gone on investigations in these locations. So I can speak with firsthand knowledge uh, what it's like to spend the night in the Hollywood Wax Museum or the sinister haunted bungalow at the Roosevelt Hotel. Uh, so, yeah, Marla exposed me to this whole world, and uh, it's, been, it's been a fascinating trip. And it's fun to share these uh, stories with, with people. Most of the people actually are locals that take the tour. It's uh, a surprisingly few tourists. Right. So, so these investigations you did with Marla, uh, was she brave or, or, or is she really a chicken? <laughs> Marla is a lot more brave than I am. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Scott, Scott, it took him a while to, to stick his toe in the pool and, and get uh-huh. accustomed to the water. Um, he wasn't the bravest soul in the bunch, but he's gotten a lot better, definitely. Well, I would imagine. I just don't, you know, I was always a doubter. I, I still am a doubter. Uh, just that I've seen enough evidence of my own to uh, to believe it now. I, I will still, you know, I'm quite skeptical, but I do believe in, in these things. I just believe that a, a significant amount of the stories that are told are, are, uh, are you know, embellished, <laughs> if not fabricated. But here's the thing that really ticked me off, because here is Scott, Mr. Eye Roller. You tell him something, he rolls his eyes, right? And he went off on his own with a group of people um, to Paramount Studios, for a little ghost hunt one night. And he comes back the next day and says, Oh, listen to what I got. I got an EVP. And it was Edith Head, we think. Um, you know, the famous costume designer. Mm-hmm. And 
he plays it, and it's like this Class A EVP. And it really ticked me off because I'm really good at what I do, but I have never yet gotten an EVP. I don't think they want to talk to me some for some reason. Um, and off he goes, la, 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 you know, he's got his little recorder, and bang, Class 1, and circumstantially it seems to have been Edith Head. <clears throat> so go figure. Yeah, the well, circumstances could not have been better. I mean, I was in the costume department at Paramount Studios. I was by myself in between racks of clothing. There was no way anyone could have made any noise around me because this cloth was around every every side of me to block any any kind of input. So it was dead silence. And uh, and then this uh, this voice came out. It was pretty wild because I mean, since you know, I, I spend Halloween nights at, at Grandview Cemetery now. Uh, just for security purposes, since the cemetery has fallen into hard times, and Halloween is a is a is a prime time for vandalism. So, uh, so a couple of friends of mine and I have annually spent the night at Grandview Cemetery. So we all bring our little recorders and we stick them in the mausoleums and lock the doors and we leave them there for several hours. And we come back, uh, you know, at the end of the night or the beginning of the morning, and. Uh, uh, over the period of the next few days, we all listen to our tapes, and we come up with some pretty amazing things. It's uh, it's been fascinating, uh, and I'm not again. I'm not. Do you hear this? Do you hear this? It's like you know when you hear a little, you know, <laughs> like someone saying hello, Scott. It's not like that. It's this is these are genuine words that are quite legible, are quite uh, you know what I mean, legible. I guess would be a word, and uh, and uh, discernible, and uh, it's been it's been fun. Now, when you have these, I know that we're coming up to the break, but we had a couple more minutes. Uh, when you have these tours, and, and do you get a lot of amateur ghost hunters going on? And a lot of mediums, do you have a lot of mediums that go and, and give you, you know, thoughts on what they're picking up? I have, uh, as far as having mediums on the tour, I don't, I'm not aware that that is information that has not been shared with me. No, I shouldn't say that, but I, I, I don't. And, and, and on my regular tours, I come across that type of individual fairly often. And generally, the synopsis is that, you know, the, the, the celebrities that we feature in these stories uh, liked attention when they were alive. Therefore, they're not a, they, they kind of like the attention now in the afterlife. It may not have been exactly the focal point they would have wanted, but ultimately they're pleased with it and pleased with, uh, with the way that we present things. So and yes, I think that there's a legitimate amount of amateur, uh, amateur, uh, uh, you know, paranormal investigators that take that take the tour, and possibly some professional ones. There's a time when we got uh, I got one of those uh, thingies, Marla, the stud finders. What do you call those? Uh, K2 meters. Thank you. K2. Yes, I bought one of those actually because we go to the alley of Bordner's, and <laughs> the alley of Bordner's Bordner's bar is a, an old Hollywood drinking. Uh, an old drinking hole that was been around since 1942, and it's uh, it's been a hangout at the Black Dahlia. It's been a hangout of many, many celebrities, etc. And uh, and different mediums that I've been to at different times have explained this alley being quite uh, quite sinister uh, and haunting, and uh, explained a couple of different stories. And 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 interestingly, both stories from both psychics at separate times came up very similar. And uh, so we use the little K2 meter in the alley, and sometimes we come up with some fun stuff. It's uh, it's been uh, we try not to make it like a 
you know, asking people to dance for us because I like to think that we're a bit more respectful than that. But mm-hmm. but we do like, you know, it'd be nice if someone came out and said hello for a minute. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what we all want, I think. Uh, you know, Mal is still waiting for hers, evidently, but um, <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Do you, wait a minute, do you own a recorder, Mala? You know, that's one of those little things. that have Yes, to- yes, in oh. fact, I do. And, and and I not only have a K2, but I have a Melmeter. Ooh. I do. Mm-hmm. And a digital recorder and a camera. See, I'm I'm ready to go. Oh, that's very good. That's very good. Uh-huh. Yeah. So. so <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> when you, uh, I, I kind of like to want to touch on the word, oh, couple minutes to break but uh on the walking tours the ghost and legend tours what is to you the most unusual story do you think well they're the two my two favorite stories are of course the battle of the ghosty story about the uh the cigar shop that i mentioned uh battle of the ghosty at the end of his life was was you know not a wealthy man and he would he lived about a mile down Hollywood Boulevard from Hollywood and Vine, and every day he'd walk down the boulevard to uh, to uh, his favorite cigar store and buy himself a cigar. And uh, when he died in 1956, uh, according to legend, again this is uh, this is a story that's been repeated. Uh, I'd love to find the man that actually drove the hearse. But uh, the hearse with Battle Lugosi's uh, body in it, the, 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 the mortuary had an agreement with the Hollywood Chamber of Commerce that they wouldn't drive a funeral procession down Hollywood Boulevard because they thought the tourists wouldn't want to see that sort of thing. And uh, so the mortuary complied. And Battle's funeral was handled out at uh, Good Shepherd Catholic Church in Beverly Hills. So they would have to have westbound on Hollywood Boulevard would be the path that they normally take. But instead they would... they. Uh, uh, westbound on Sunset Boulevard, I'm sorry. So when the man driving the hearse with Bella in the back of it was leaving the driveway, he said that the the, the uh, wheel of the vehicle was not physically ripped out of the out of the car, but but ripped out of his hands or control of it was taken over, and he was struggling with this. And this and the hearse went on to Hollywood Boulevard and continued continued down Hollywood Boulevard as this man was struggling with it, and he claims he wasn't able to regain control of the vehicle until it passed. Battle Cigar Shop uh, one last time. So they say, oh, well, that's this funny. final farewell to Hollywood yeah. Boulevard. Well, evidently, I'm going to lose control of the show because we have to take a break. So anyways, you're listening to Ghost Chronicles, a uh, special uh, Book of Shadows edition with Mala Brooks. And we'll be right back on, uh, of course, we're on Pararex, Tojanet, uh, Planet Paranoid, uh, Paranormal, and whatever. Anyway, we'll be right back after the following messages. Can you hear me? My name is Harry Price. I am speaking to you via the medium of the Ghost Box. Many of you will know I carried out the first live radio broadcast from Haunted House way back in 1936 for the BBC. Now, thanks to the wonders of modern technology, I am still able to keep abreast of 21st century ghost hunting by listening to Ghost Chronicles International on Togginet, Parax Radio, The Ghost Channel, and even on something called a podcast. Two splendid chaps host it. One is an American who calls himself New England's own Van Helsing, although I have discovered his real name is Ron Kolek. 
The other is Stephen Parsons, and he's a paranormal scientist. Well, Mustache, I'm required elsewhere on something called a K2. But don't forget, I'll be listening in every Tuesday from 8 o'clock in Great Britain and 3 o'clock on the American Eastern Seaboard. I trust you will join me there. Welcome to Toginet, radio with a cutting edge. Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more, all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. Well, normally Ann would take us back, but since Mal is not doing it, I'll have to. Anyways, <laughs> you are listening to Ghost Chronicles Book of Shadows with Mala Brooks and Ron Kolick right here on Tojanet, Pararex, uh, Planet Paranoid, Paranormal. Wow, i got to keep saying that. I'm going to get in trouble. Uh, Ghost Channel, iTunes, TuneIn, or whatever else. Maybe the Ghost Box. I don't know. So anyways, uh, we actually have a uh, question from the chat room, and this is uh, from Beth in the Tojanet chat room. And she says, have they ever seen a ghost of a star in the tour? And we're talking with Scott from Dealing Departed Tours. Have okay. I seen a ghost of a star, actually? Or anyone, I guess. Um, well, no, to be honest with you, no. I, at least if I have, I'm not aware of it. I've been mm-hmm. told that certain uh, stars hang around my shop front on, on, on Sunset Boulevard, uh, which, and I've been told that certain celebrities have been in contact with me, uh, you know, but I'm not, I'm not that, uh, I guess, sensitive to that sort of thing. But people that are claim that that's, that that is the case. Mm-hmm. Well, you lived with a whole bunch of them when you had all those goodies that are now in your shop in your home and, and, Maybe Ron would be interested in knowing the kind of stuff you kept in your house, dummy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Well, I collect artifacts uh, that have been <laughs> that are associated with uh, things that you know, not so very nice things, and I keep them in my shop at Sunset Boulevard. But I didn't do that before because I, before I had a shop on Sunset Boulevard, all these things were in my home. And the most significant thing uh, that I had, which tend to, to attract the most attention in life and apparently in death, is uh, a large portion of the uh, fireplace from the Tate house where the Tate murders occurred in 69, or the Manson murders. Oh, and wow. uh, when they destroyed the house in 1993, I acquired these rocks. And there's such a, a large concentration of them that they attract attention. And when I have people that are sensitive or, or mediums or, or whatever the, the proper term for their particular individuals are, uh, they walk in and go straight to those rocks. There's also uh, the bed that Rock Hudson died in 
I own that. And certain wow. people have. That's funny. I just got a cool breeze. I'm sitting here in my in my storage room with the door locked, and I just got hit with a cold breeze. <laughs> and uh, and Rock Hudson's deathbed is is in in here. And somebody said that that is uh, uh, also something attached to it. Uh, I've got lots of things. I've got a piece of John Denver's airplane. I've got the suitcase that Jane Mansfield packed the night she was killed. And uh, and I have uh, many, many, many things of that nature in my shop. And you know, had, I, I, I like had, you, Scott. I also have a collection of uh, kind of unusual things. And perhaps my most uh, treasured piece, I guess you could say, is the jawbone of a nun from Borley Rectory in the UK. So, Oh, really? Mm. And so where... Yeah, would you like to see it, Myla? I could bring it out to you. <laughs> yeah, I can see right through the computer. Uh, take a picture and send it to me on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, I see that. That's kind of where I draw the line. I, I'm not crazy about body bones, body parts, and things like that. Um, particularly jaw bones and stuff, because sometimes in skulls, like in the screaming skulls and stuff, um, mm -hmm. and, and some of the crystal skulls, I mean, I, they do talk. And I know it has to do with the, you know, the jawbone and blah, blah, blah. But So that kind of creeps me out a little bit. But isn't I, that what we do? I mean, the paranormal, we want to talk to ghosts. We want to talk to spirit, right? Yeah, but I don't want yeah, to hold well, somebody's what, head. What if they under come in own. and want that back? That's <laughs> my point. Yeah, What's exactly. That? Say it again. I mean, I'm not judging, not at all. I mean, I have, I've got cremains, like you know, like a lot. But you know, that it's just, uh, it's just something in its physical form. It could be startling at first. It, it is. I mean, a lot of people say, "Oh, that can't be real." Oh, yeah, it is. Take a look at it. Then they look at the teeth in it, and they say, "Oh." Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. But I, I rescued it the way I looked at it. Originally, uh, Stephen Parsons in the UK and uh, Parascience rescued it because it was a piece of evidence. Uh, basically, the, the story behind it is that um, Bully Rectory, Rectory, of course, was the most haunted house in England. And uh, as a rectory, they used to see this nun walking through the garden all the time. And uh, um, they actually built a window so they could watch her and it became known as the nun's walk. And eventually, the big long story, Harry Price investigated the place for a year and all this other stuff. The, the place burnt down. And the story uh, that the house was built on a uh, monastery, a 12th century monastery. And uh, during that time, one of the monks tried to elope with a nun from a local thing. He was intercepted at midnight. He was hung and the nun was walled up in the the basement of the monastery. Well, when the rectory burnt down, they, they did some digging and lo and behold, they found the bones of a young lady and that's where it became. So it was properly buried and everything. It's in a famous picture with Harry Price. And then uh, a short time later, some local ghost hunters decided to uh, dig them up. So they did. They dig up and stole the bones and uh, they did catch them. And that particular bone uh, was kept as evidence. The rest was reinterred. So that bone just kind of like was hung around forever. And they didn't want to dig her up again. So that's the story behind it. So I give it a place of honor. And where would that be? It's in my office. I mean, like 
right out there for everybody to see. Yeah, well, me, I don't invite a lot of people in my office. <laughs> okay. Not not a lot of people anyways. But, uh, is it just the the bottom part of the, is it the whole jaw front and top and bottom or just part? I thought we were talking about Scott. <laughs> we are, but I just wondered if you stuck your finger in it, would it bite you? Oh, no, 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 because it's only the bottom part. Okay, just just checking. Scott, you didn't yeah, have any bones. The, um, I was at the L.A. County Coroner. Who's the the, uh, the chief investigator? Is a buddy of mine, and uh, and one of the tours he gave me opened up a storage room, and in the storage room was floor to ceiling, probably oh I'd, I'd just be pulling a number five hundred out of the air, uh, a small they look like the old sort of margarine containers, and inside each of those containers is a jaw, a jawbone like that one, See? and they are from all the various Jane and John Doe's that have been found throughout the years that uh, they have no room to store them, so they cremate them, but they keep the jaw bones in case they need uh, uh, dental records or, or a possible DNA from them so they can prove their identity. See? So it's all, it's all done by numbers, but it's pretty interesting to see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll post a picture on uh, my Facebook page. Yeah. But I'll yeah. Do, you know her, do you know her name? No, it was 12th I was, century. I was just going to ask that, too. Wow. I mean, there there are like you deal with the ghost and legend tour, so you know there are many legends. So it's sometimes it's hard to distinguish between the legends and the facts. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I'm sure there are names that are that are up there, but uh, you know, to put her on a specific person, like I said, 12th century. So. Mm-hmm. No, I don't want bones around. Thank you very much. It's okay. I I just you know, flesh and blood is better. I, I'm really interested in Scott's collection. I think that's a great idea, and and those are displayed at, at your uh, shop. Yes, yeah, they are. Oh wow, that's that's very cool. We've yeah, got, he's uh, got two floors. I mean, it, it's not all sinister things or terrible things. We have you know, I have Marilyn mm-hmm. Monroe's cake pan, and I have uh, a piece <laughs> of the lagoon from Gilligan's Island, and uh, a piece of Lucy's uh, the wall that Lucy hopped in the episode where she was trying to steal a grapefruit from Richard Whitmark's house. It was actually Lucy's own house that they used, the wall on the side of the house when they demolished the house. I grabbed part of the wall. I also have part of the Ambassador Hotel when Bobby Kennedy was killed in 1968. Uh, uh, they destroyed the hotel, but I uh, I acquired, uh, you know, the hotel was massive, so I only have, you know, a dozen or so bricks, but I do. And it's my little way of preserving history. I don't have millions of dollars to save uh, an amazing old place that's being destroyed, but you know I can hop a fence or slip a security guard twenty bucks and and uh, preserve a little bit of history. Exactly, and some of these places will actually sell pieces. Is uh, for instance the the wall from the the Boston, I mean the uh, St. Valentine's Day massacre. The bricks were sold from that. But uh, I also have my collection a piece of the Lizzie Borden house and also a piece of the. Uh, the actually the furnace from Auschwitz. So, ouch! Wow. See, you guys yeah, have a lot in common. Yeah. The two. I know. I know. We should have a couple of beers and talk about our collections. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I somehow knew you guys would get along. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's something. That's something. Yeah, if you can. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, <laughs> you ever want to display anything in Hollywood? I'll be happy to. Uh, I'll be happy to take a loan from you. <laughs> 
yeah, even a piece of Dracula's castle as well. So I mean, there's there's different things. But anyways, yeah, that was fascinating. What started this whole thing for me? Well, I think one of the things that prompted it was uh, I used to live in Chicago, and they had the uh, Chicago Tribune building on Michigan Avenue that I used to walk past. And protruding from the building every 20 feet or so is a you know square foot long uh, stone of some sort. You know, there's there's dozens of them. And the little plaques underneath them, one says the Parthenon, one says the Taj Mahal, one says Lincoln's original tomb in, in uh, Springfield. Uh, one says, you know, the it's just a, a castle from Kyoto, Japan. And it's it's fascinating that you could travel to these locations and, and not leave your seat, so to, so to speak. Right. It, it, actually, some of my items I use in, a, in psychometry. You know what psychometry is, Scott? Yes, I mm-hmm. do. Yeah, so we, we do that. You know, for instance, the, the piece from Auschwitz, we, we have a piece of uh, stone that looks very, simi- uh, fami- very similar to it. And we'll, we'll have people hold the different ones and, and get their readings from it. And, uh, of course, you know, one is totally different than the other. <laughs> so it's, it's interesting how that works out as well. So, yeah, it, it's cool. But, I mean, how did you get into all of this, Scott? I mean, the, the depth, the macabre, the ghost stores, collecting unique items. I well, I grew up in Detroit. I was around death, uh, and 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 I I was I, I like to think when I was a kid, it was still a more innocent time in the '60s, and we used to bike around, you know, on our on our stingrays and bike around the neighborhood. I remember there was a, a there was a story, just a neighborhood, you know, sort of probably an urban legend about a lady that chopped somebody's head off and put it in the garbage can. So my friend and I used to ride our stingrays over to that house and just sit there and look at the garbage cans. And, and you know, just it was a thing to do. It was very sort of stand-by-me uh, when, you know, these kids went on a hike to see the dead body. Uh, I remember when I was a Boy Scout, uh, we, used to go to, we used to go to summer camp, and there was a period of time where there was somebody that drowned in the lake, and his body was not found while we were, uh, while we were staying at this campground. So, you know, we went out searching for it. Yeah, it was just something that, that fascinated me. And I knew a couple of people that, uh, that had been uh, killed in various ways around uh, that I went to school with. And I think that might be where my fascination with Kentucky Fried Chicken started. Because uh, one of mm-hmm. somebody I knew was killed in the Kentucky Fried Chicken in a robbery. And, you know, passing that Kentucky Fried Chicken after that, well, you're always going to think about that. You can't not think about that. So I've just taken that element, uh, that curiosity, uh, and, and brought it to brought it with me to Hollywood. And uh, you know, instead of saying this is where this girl was killed in the Kentucky Fried Chicken, I could say this is where you know where uh, Marie Prevost you know died of a heart attack, or Bela Lugosi's ghost was you know taking a stroll down or a ride down Hollywood Boulevard, or something like that. So it, it all started back there where I was exposed to this from a really young age, and it doesn't freak me out. Mm-hmm. Ghosts freak you out. Yeah, yeah. How do you, how yeah, do you but think not of that? so much. Not so much anymore. Like you know that that thing that I had in my house uh, <laughs> was you know that that disturbed me a great deal, and now I'm I'm quite accustomed to it. So mm-hmm. if there's it is, there's ever a point where you know it makes itself known, I dismiss it immediately. You know, and uh, so I know it's there, and I, I'm not going to say it doesn't. I'm not going to say it doesn't freak me out. But I'd say that I don't react to it like I used to. It doesn't make me want to run down the stairs and out on the street. So, or it doesn't. Go ahead. Are you saying that your your house is haunted? 
Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'm only well, in an tell, apartment. Tell them where you live and that might help explain it. <laughs> okay, I live uh, well, I live across the street from Paramount Studios. So I, I out one window I can see Paramount Studios, out another window I can see the Hollywood sign. Paramount Studios, uh before there was a Paramount Studios, Paramount Studios was half of Hollywood Cemetery, what was Hollywood Memorial Park. So in the early 19-teens, the cemetery was cut in half and sold to Paramount Studios. So Paramount is built on cemetery property. So that, uh, I think, makes the oh activity, I guess you could say, around my neighborhood uh, a bit, you know, it prompts a little bit more than, than you would normally. Uh, you know, and again, this was the 19-teens. I don't know if they, they went so far as to move all the bodies like they were supposed to. I'm sure some corners were cut, and I'm sure some things, you know, even if they did do that, probably not all of it came came over the hill, you know, over to that side of the cemetery. And uh, so, and then people that work at Paramount Studios see all kinds of activity back, back by that, uh, by that, by the back wall to the cemetery. They see people... Uh, you know, walking through that back wall quite often. Oh, wow. So technically, he lives across the street from the cemetery and Paramount and then wonders why there's boogity-boogity in his house. Mm-hmm. And he collects stuff. Hmm? And, he, and he collects stuff as well. And he yeah. not only collects stuff, but he also uh, does these tours, which, you know, if you're a spirit and, and you know, if you didn't get something right on the tour, or you like what they were saying, you know, you might want to bug them too. So I, I don't know. I, I guess that's a couple of reasons why he's got a haunted house. Yeah, well, Maybe. initially he blamed it on me. <laughs> <laughs> no, he did. Seriously, Ron. His fault. <laughs> yeah, it was like, you know, this never would have happened if, if, if I didn't know you, if, if you didn't expose me, if you didn't talk about that stuff. Really? Yeah. True. Yeah. Yeah, I got the blame. I, mean, I lived in that place for three or four years uh, before anything started uh, showing up, making itself known. So, uh, so yeah, yeah, and it was, strangely enough, when Marla had a seance in my house. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Uh, you, had a seance in your house? Well, it wasn't just me, but you, you suggested that we come there to find out what was going on. And so, yes, in the process, we did a seance. And, um, you know, but... but what can I say? Yeah, but, that... but, but, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> no, see, Scott is fun. Scott makes me laugh a lot, and, and inadvertently, because, you know, he he initially did have the rolling eyes, and he didn't believe any of it. And the first couple investigations, when things started to kind of make him believe a little bit more, they were kind of funny, because he didn't kind of, like, just ignore things, um he got a little spooked from time to time. Mm-hmm. And that amused me because that's just who I am. And and he would have done the same if the shoe was on the other foot, just so you know. It wasn't yeah, that I'm being, I'm yeah. not, I'm not being me. cowering in a corner in the wax museum that night. <laughs> well, yeah, because this, we were standing, all right, really quickly, we were standing in one of the corridors looking at this really horrible thing of, of I think it was the Phantom of the Opera or one of those things. And everybody else was out shooting and doing their thing. And so this corridor was just big enough, you know, for us to be standing there. And and there wasn't anybody around us. And we were just staring blindly at this horrible wax figure. And all of a sudden we heard footsteps. 
and they kept getting closer and closer and there wasn't any way that a human being could walk behind us there wasn't that much room in that small corridor and it got closer and closer and then pretty soon it got right behind us and passed us and went down and faded out down the other end and I don't think either of us was going to admit to hearing it like right off the bat but as I recall um, as it walked past us we kept looking straight ahead as it went away then we just kind of looked at each other and and what kind of either nodded or just yeah uh-huh okay and then we well, went back to <laughs> yeah <laughs> and and then went back to staring at that really ugly um wax figure yeah yeah it was beetlejuice actually yes oh okay yeah you know it wasn't a very good one well <laughs> well yeah see ron the figures of the hollywood wax museum don't all look like the people that they're supposed to. There was one of John Wayne that I didn't recognize at all, so that has to be pretty bad when you don't yeah. recognize John Wayne. You have to look at the plaques, yeah, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> it's too bad. So it's no but, Madame Tussauds, huh? No, she moved in down the street, though, eventually. So now they've yeah. got competition, yeah. Which is supposedly haunted by the ghost of Victor Killian. Well, he died. was murdered down Hollywood Boulevard. And they say that uh, Madame Tussauds was built on a location that was a parking lot for for decades and decades. And Victor Killian was an actor uh, who was in John Wayne movies, and he was uh, most famous to uh, people my age uh, and older would be a, a show called Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. But he was brutally murdered, unsolved, in 1977. And the story is that, you know, he, he was murdered in his house. The door was, you know, there was no forced entry, and so they assumed that it was somebody that he knew, but it's still an unsolved crime. Mm-hmm. So the rumor is that, or the legend is that uh, Killian probably met this person down Hollywood. He, he, they say he used to drink at the Roosevelt Hotel, and then he'd cross the street and uh, walk to his home, which was a few blocks down the road. And they say that Victor Killian retraces that route back and forth to try to find this person who uh, who uh, murdered him. And the, the taps or the ghost hunters people went in there, and they picked up on some interesting energy and figures in the Wax Museum uh, uh, and they claim was, was Victor Killian. So uh, I have to ask you one thing about your, your tours, and, you know, I, I'm certainly not... Familiar with all the stops and anything. I mean, do you you talk about Harry Houdini at all? Sure, sure we do. Um, you know, I, I was actually born in the hospital that Houdini died in in 1926. Get out of and, here! Uh, that's, cool. <laughs> that? that's so cool. Yeah, he was. Uh, he died in Detroit at Grace Hospital, and that's where I was born. And uh, and uh, as you, if you're a Houdini person, then you know the story about he and Bess and the agreement that they had mm-hmm. when he died. That uh, that she would hold the seance, and uh, or that they would, if there was any way possible, uh, they they agreed that they would try to contact the other after the uh, one of the other dies. So Bess Houdini would hold these seances every year on the anniversary of his death, Halloween night, uh, and she did it for ten years. The very last one is the spot on my tour, the Knickerbocker Hotel, right. and she held the seance on the roof of the Knickerbocker Hotel, and I I play a portion of that recording while we're in front of the Knickerbocker and when she finally admits defeat and and claims that uh, she does, that the, as far as she was concerned, life after death does not exist. And she said the story of, I think it was the the uh, the case of the legend of Houdini, of Houdini is ended or something to that. 
effect. So, yeah, yeah that's on the tour. That in one of our things, because a gentleman I know actually uh, is a magician and, excuse me, he's an escape artist and a magician, uh, but he also has a large collection of Houdini uh, artifacts as well. And we used, uh, we did a seance on Halloween with uh, a pair of uh, Houdini's uh, handcuffs, and we actually played that as a uh, to try to draw it in. The energy did change and all this stuff, but Harry didn't show up because if he was there, he would have unlocked the handcuffs, but he didn't. It was it's a busy night for him. <laughs> yeah, I know. He's got to get around. He's got to get around, you know. <laughs> I mean, they have, uh, you know, also on the tour is the Magic Castle, which which famously, I guess they have, according to them, have the only pair or the only the only handcuffs that Houdini couldn't get out of uh, is on display there. That's what they, they claim anyway. I'm not, I, I know a bit about Houdini, enough to have a conversation, but I'm not a Houdini historian. So I'm not sure of that, but they they are uh, they they hold Houdini seances every night as sort of a kind of a silly one, you know, with the trumpets flying and the tambourines flying. But mm-hmm. on Halloween night, they have legitimate uh, seances for for Houdini. I'd love to go to one of those. I think it'd be fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In fact, uh, Spiritus, uh, we did it last year, and we do it. This this one is is about the rise of uh, spiritualism. And also the rise of ghost hunting with the early ghost hunters. And we actually have created some of the, we got plans of some of the early 19th century ghost hunting communication devices and so forth. And we're building them. We're going to have them at Spirit Quest. So it's, it's going to be cool. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's the interesting thing about it is, is the, the difference between magic and, and the paranormal. I mean, they're so, so close to each other, really, in reality, uh, there, there are times when, when they'll do some of these uh, seances, and, and real spirit will actually come through. That's, yeah, that's, I guess people just um, sort of uh, see it as an opportunity to, to p- poke their head in and, uh, you know, and say hello. Well, Scott, I hate yeah. to tell you this, but that was the doorbell, which means pizza from the dead is here, so we've got to wrap it up. We want to thank you so much for joining us. Uh, you were certainly an interesting gift. And if I ever get out there, I'll have to stop by and we can uh, talk about uh, artifacts that we have. Please do. I'd love to. Uh, I'd love to meet you in person. I have. You know what? I also have a, a pair of Harry Price's uh, sunglasses. He is, of course, if you don't know who Harry Price is, he was uh, probably the most uh, famous ghost hunter in the early 19th century. Wow! Wow! That's pretty cool. Yeah, so. I love so, that Tammy Faye Baker used to collect people's eyeglasses, and she said that's how it was like the windows to the soul or something. It like is. That. It so that's the coolest thing. Yeah, it's it's the cool thing about them, and I I put them on, and and you know a lot of times I use them in demonstration, and I'll say, you know, just think about it. I am seeing what Harry's, you know, uh, Harry Price saw. I'm looking through his eyes at this time, basically yeah. his glasses. I would, if he was here, this is what he would be seeing. Through his eyes. Ooh, spooky. Anyway. It's cool. So, uh, it's Scott, very cool. Thank you so much for being on the show. You're certainly an interesting gift. And, and Mala, uh, thank you for bringing uh, Scott with you. Oh, and, I'm very, you're very welcome. Yeah. Anything you want to add, either Either or? You got anything coming up you want to push? Not me, but Scott, what do you got? Well, I've got the, uh, see, the, the, uh, the Helter Skelter weekend, the anniversary of the Manson Murders is this coming weekend. And also on, uh, on uh, the first, second weekend in October this year, we have an annual Dearly Departed weekend. It was a two-night event. And the first night is at the, the very haunted Elstead restaurant. 
And our guest speaker is a man named James Bartlett, who wrote a book called Gourmet Ghosts, and all about uh, 30 or so restaurants in the Hollywood area that are haunted. And he'll be our main speaker. And these are these are uh, uh, that's an event that's also uh, advertised on our website, DailyDepartedTours.com. Hate to cut you up, but that's the tunes, which means we're going out. So we want to thank you so much uh, once again. Thanks for listening to Ghost Chronicles, Book of Shadows, right here on Tojinet, Pararex. Ghost Channel and beyond. We'll see you next week. to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord. This is...